Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to the A Show here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. It's ASSR Central. I'm Ross McLeod, your host as always. Joining you after a bumper week and a half with plenty of pay-per-views, title changes, building towards Survivor Series and a season premiere to look ahead to as well. I'm joined by David Hockney. David, how are you? Hi! <laughs> Sorry, I may have had a little inebriation or two before uh, before joining the call. Yeet! Like, do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I do hear what you're saying, yes. Um, we'll touch on that in a little bit. <laughs> Before we begin, don't forget a massive back catalogue of previews, reviews, interviews and all the news. Just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on all good Android podcasting sites, on iTunes and on Spotify. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, that's at Suplex Retweet. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. We asked you before... Um, but we didn't get a chance to do a show last week, but we asked you prior to the big weekend of Wrestle Dream and NXT No Mercy, uh, sorry, after that, what was your favourite match of the weekend? Uh, three votes by David Campbell, John Isherwood and Ryan Dalgleish for Mello, saying Mello don't miss, Mello versus Ilya for sure, Mello versus Ilya, excellent. David, you picked uh, Becky versus Tiffany Stratton, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a little minute but as we do this bumper review show let's start at the beginning a very good place to start we'll talk about NXT's No Mercy just a wee quick aside I'm glad that WWE are using these names now there was so many good names that WWE had trademarked that they refused to use for so long you know they brought in crap like great balls of fire and all that and <laughs> to see Across the three brands, stuff like this getting used now. Um, NXT No Mercy took place September the 30th in Bakersfield, California at the Mechanic Bank Arena. 4,954 in attendance. Seven matches on the card, including the pre-show. I'll just run through the results just now. Uh, Blair Davenport defeated Kalani Jordan uh, via pinfall, pinfall, Jesus, on the pre-show. I was getting my bees ready because Baron <laughs> Braun Breaker, Baron Corbin, Braun Breaker. Uh, Baron Corbin defeated Braun Breaker via pinfall uh, in just under 10 minutes. Trick Williams, the new North American champion for now. Uh, 
Mysterio with Dragon Lee as a special guest referee. A fatal four-way match for the NXT Tag Team Championships, the family retaining over the Creed Brothers, over Inja Garza and Humberto, and over OTM. Noam Dar defeats Butch 2-1 uh, to retain his NXT Heritage Cup. Ilya Dragunov, the new NXT champion, defeating Carmelo Hayes, and Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton in the main event, an Extreme Rules match, Becky Lynch retaining that NXT Women's Championship. Um, David, you wax lyrical uh, about <laughs> Becky versus Tiffany. Would you like to start us off? Yeah, like, from what I said on our community page post, I think Becky and Tiffany certainly raised the bar in a lot of ways, and it it was a really somber reminder of just why the female talent deserve just as much investment and screen time as like their male counterparts. Like some of the moves they pulled out were spectacular, despite you know one minor hiccup, which was the uh, the awkward table botch. Um, it's um, like it just goes to show you know it doesn't matter what gender you are or what else in between. If you just put two very comp- compatible people out there, two very confident people out there as well. They can deliver something pretty magical. And some of the moves they were pulling out, you know, there was the, they brought the barbed wire out, there was chairs, kendo sticks, the spring, the springboard mince, the springboard elbow was going to say into the, through the barricade. I still don't know how flimsy that barricade actually is, if it just took a, a springboard elbow to go through it, but hey-ho. Um, yeah, Tiffany Stratton, you know, just goes to show, you know, she's incredible with that background in gymnastics. And if this is her time to get called up to the main roster, she's thoroughly earned it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. What a match it was. Um, and we talked about uh, more women being given an opportunity here. Something um, at Chris Bay Wrestling uh, posted on Twitter last night uh, as we head into the Triple H era again. And uh, we'll talk about that more later on. Um the women we saw on WWE Raw TV tonight, uh, Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, Becky Lynch, Tegan Knox, Natalia, Zia Lee, Chelsea Green, uh, Piper Niven, Caden and Katana, Natalia, Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, Raquel Rodriguez and Nia Jax. A lot more women being given the chance uh, on, on Raw recently. And yeah, as you said, as long as you just put two compatible people in there or you put two people who have got a great story in there, they can main event regardless of gender. Um, Becky Lynch bringing undeniable star power to NXT and we'll touch uh, a little bit on it later on, the star-powered NXT that's coming our way. But let's talk about... um, Let's talk about Trick Williams, Dominic Mysterio and the back and forth with the NXT North American Championship. Uh Uh, Trick Williams saying that he has to go out on his own. Uh, This was obviously a last-minute replacement for the Ali match. Um, Trick Williams gets the win, um, kicking the uh, North American Championship into Dominic Mysterio's face. Um, Him and Ilya wanted to become champions together. They had that nice moment uh, before uh, before, Carmelo, before Carmelo's match. Um, Trick Williams then on Raw shows up and says, if Dominic Mysterio wants a rematch, you can have it on NXT. Dominic Mysterio then defeats Trick Williams with the help of the Judgment Day, as per usual. Uh, Trick Williams told Carmelo, I don't want you to have my back. I need to do this by myself. Uh, Braun Breaker trying to play a bit of a stutter here, saying that you should take out everyone and take out your frustrations, especially on Trick Williams. So... What are your thoughts on Trick's short reign, Dominic Mysterio being champion again, and will we be seeing 
a Carmelo trick feud anytime soon? Well, well, for one thing, I think Mustafa Ali is just sitting at home thinking, well, fuck. <laughs> I mean, Trick Williams' NXT North American title run, if we can even call it that, has not done him any favours at all. Because I think maybe they just wanted the, cheap, the, the pay-per-view pop so that Dom got his ass kicked. But also, I think there is plans in the works to maybe have a Carmelo Trick feud with Carmelo possibly going up to the main roster afterwards. Because, you know, I think... Him, Braun Breaker, Roxanne Perez, we've said all these names in the past. They've all got, you know, the the star quality to make it on the main roster. Trick definitely did get done dirty, so to speak. But I think having Dom as NXT North American champion is probably for the best still, given that, you know, Judgment Day is running things as the top faction in WWE. So... I think as long as they can keep themselves in the title scene from all angles, I think it's more beneficial for them. And Trick, you know, he's still like a diamond in the rough. He's still got a few points to work on, but maybe a Carmelo feud somewhere down the line will probably elevate him to that next step. Yeah, maybe. He certainly does have the star power and the presence. I think it is just mm. working on that in-ring stuff. Let's talk about the the third man in this sort of uh, triangle, which is Dragon Lee. Um, Dragon Lee... Had a great match on Raw with Dominic Mysterio for the North American title. Uh, impressed them so much that they wanted to bring him up. Uh, he had a match on SmackDown against Austin Theory. He wins that as well. They're kind of wanting to have him everywhere at the minute. They are mm. the, the slow burn with Dragon Lee. It's interesting. Uh, there's been talk of a a soft launch, slowly but surely bringing him in to, um, to Raw and SmackDown while keeping him on NXT. But then there's other reports saying that he's uh, impressed higher up so much that they want him on the main roster right now. What are your thoughts on Dragon Lee and a potential main roster run? I like Dragon Lee. You know, he's, I think, you know, he's he's sort of filled that void, you know, where, you know, aside from Rey Mysterio, they don't have that many masked luchadors anymore. And obviously Dragon Lee's, you know, he's been in around, you know, the, the Lucha Libre scene, Lucha Underground, etc. And he's wowed audiences everywhere. So I think he definitely is an eye-catching sort of person, you know, because he has obviously the, the high-flying maneuvers, the colourful outfits as well. You know, that can sometimes be engaging, particularly to a, to a younger audience. You know, they like their masked superheroes a little bit. So, and you know, he can go in the ring. You know, I think what's going to let him down is maybe his, uh, his promo work, because obviously, you know, he... Uh, English is obviously a second language, but he he carries himself pretty well in the ring, and you know he's got a bit of an association with Cameron Grimes at the minute against Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. But I th- yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I think the best phrase to describe him right now is a slow burn. You know, have him work the undercard, let him start to build up a connection with the audience rather than just sort of thrust them in as this this guy who may or may not, quote-unquote, replace Rey Mysterio. Because as, as we've seen with everybody who's sort of been given that moniker throughout the past, you know, this person's the next Rey Mysterio whatnot, it always turns out to be Rey Mysterio is the true Rey Mysterio. Yeah, I think putting him, putting him on the main roster but keeping him as far away from Rey Mysterio would be the smart thing because they did that with Sin Cara, they did it with Kalisto, you know, they they either paired them with Rey Mysterio or a Rey Mysterio light or put them in with other luchadors. It's just keep them away. You know, it's why Dominic Mysterio has been so successful. He's been allowed to go away 
be a part of a different faction, not be under a mask, mm-hmm. go by his own name, and it's been incredibly successful for him. So yeah, that would, and he, that would and be- he does. He doesn't have to adopt, you know, son of a Mexican luchador. You know, he could just be, you know, goth kid who's also a criminal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The condom. Anyway, let's talk about <laughs> the 22nd uh, NXT champion, which is Ilya Dragunov um, winning the title against Carmelo Hayes in an absolutely brutal match. Mm. Ilya Dragunov is someone who slowly but surely has made his way up to the NXT World Championship. A situation a part of NXT UK winning the title during the pandemic unfortunately having to vacate it in the later days of NXT UK the promotion closing before he has a chance to win it back and then coming to NXT and having absolute barn burners with the likes of uh, Wesley, the likes of uh, Dijak in the street fight mm-hmm. uh, against Carmelo Hayes at the Great American Bash I'm looking forward to the area the era of Ilya, Jesus Christ, he's from <laughs> um, the era of Ilya looks like it's going to be a brutal one, and him against, say, a Braun Breaker for the title would be absolutely delightful, I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, I know I've seen Ilya Dragunov perform live in ICW against uh, Joe Coffey, I think it was, for the Zero G title. At, I think it was one of the, not fear and loathing, the square, goes. the square goes, yeah, the one of the square goes. And you know, don't let his size fool you. You know, he may seem a bit of a, a skinny guy, but no, the guy has intensity, the intensity of about five fully grown men. And just the emotion he displays in his face, you know, it, it just goes to show like how how strongly he's committed to that, how passionate he is. And that's the true markings of a of a champion. So it's so anybody that would just look at him and think he's not world championship material, like go watch his three matches with Gunther on NXT UK on the back catalogue on the network and stuff and you'll see like it doesn't matter how much he gets beaten up he keeps going and you know his his entrance is captivating in itself you know he has the the big the big furry jacket and stuff he's got that the, he had the orchestra playing in him in the background uh, it, it's just the intensity that does it for me you know he, he the guy's a machine and I don't think it doesn't matter, you know, how big a guy he's up against, you know, if it's someone his own size like Carmelo or somebody bigger like Braun, he's going to deliver a good match because I've yet to see a bad Ilya Dragunov match, whether in person or on TV. Yeah, he certainly goes 100 mile an hour. Uh, Let's talk about Carmelo Hayes and where he goes from here. We talked about a soft launch on the main roster for Dragon Lee. Um, At time of recording, we are recording on Tuesday evening here in the UK. Technically Wednesday morning because you Americans are behind us in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like Chris Anthony Lopez here, you say that. NXT NXT, um, NXT Saudi Mania is taking place. Uh, commercial free for half hour. Cody Rhodes with a major announcement. Asuka appearing to take on Roxanne Perez. John Cena in the cor- uh, corner of Carmelo. Uh, Paul Heyman in the corner of Braun Breaker. Uh, Undertaker rumoured to be appearing in very subtle ways. And of course, you've got the current NXT Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, uh, going up against Title Tuesday. What do you think um, about the Carmelo Braun Breaker match? Do you think it's going to be 3 0 for Carmelo? Or do you think Braun Breaker gets a win back? Do you think um, 
Well, in fact, I'll just get your thoughts on everything. Your mm. thoughts on Melly yeah. Baker, thoughts on um, what Cody's announcement will be, and thoughts on the Asuka Roxanne Perez match because this will be out once everything happens. So we're putting ourselves mm. on the line here. Yeah, and we all know what happened last time when we thought we'd see a, a Roxanne Cora Jade final for the vacant NXT women's title, but <coughs> I digress. <laughs> But speaking of the, the women's match, I'll start with that. Asuka, Roxanne Perez, I feel like this is going to be a really good, in terms of an exhibition match a little bit. Like, you know, Asuka making her return to NXT after a good few years. You know, she, she was the most, arguably the most dominant NXT women's champion for a reason. And it's good to see her back, you know, sort of getting to brush shoulders with this new influx of talent. And Roxanne, probably one of the most popular female talents on actually no just most popular talents on nxt at the minute definitely a lot of potential for for the main roster maybe this is, could be like a, a proving ground for her a little bit but I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes the mellow breaker match i'm possibly predicting uh a trick williams heel turn here he could end up costing carmelo with braun getting the win especially because braun needs to bounce back a little bit after his loss to Baron Corbin. Carmelo could probably afford another loss at this point, but I think he needs to move to a program with Trick Williams now a little bit. So that's my thinking on it. Although I'm not sure how they're going to factor John Cena and Paul Heyman in it, other than, you know, just star power appearances a little bit. But um, Becky Lynch, title Tuesday... I think that's a no-brainer as well, you know, having the NXT Women's Champion defending on NXT. Like, they're, they're literally just pulling out all the stops to go up against uh, AEW a little bit, you know, a little bit with the counter-programming, etc. But they've, it, NXT and all that are hitting the right notes. It feels like they finally found their 2016 groove again with this new influx of talent. And it did take a while to sort of adjust to it, but I think it's finally... The audience are more familiar with this batch of talent, and I think the star power there is just to elevate them to an extent. I think when you look back at it, and William Regal's talked about this, um, after NXT Portland in 2020, um, a lot of the NXT talent accepted that it was done, like not it was done, but they didn't know they could go any further. They thought they had hit their peak. And when you when you look at the reaction that NXT 2.0 got, um, NXT 2.0, ironically, is one of those things that needed to happen despite people not wanting it to happen. Because you look at the new stars that it's produced, you know, you look at uh, Tony D'Angelo is currently one half of the tag team. I'm just going by the people in that first War Games match. One half of the tag team champions uh, and now a face one of the most over-tag teams in NXT. Braun Breaker, two NXT title runs, an NXT UK title uh, reign under his belt as well. Carmelo Hayes, North American champion twice and NXT champion, possibly one of the best uh, prospects since Shelton Benjamin in a purely mm. athletic standpoint. And, of course, Grayson Waller, currently on the main roster, mixing it up with main event talent such as John Cena and Edge. So... It really needed to happen, and that's not including the likes of, as we just mentioned, Tiffany Stratton and uh, Roxanne Perez. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... You just, you just look at how far, you know, these guys have come, you know, since the first 
War Games match. It's the proof's in the pudding. Obviously, Tony D was out with injury for a good while, so I think that sort of derailed him a little bit. But I think it just goes to show, like, I think it's been close to two years now since um, NXT 2.0 came about, and it really feels like, you know, uh, almost like a reset button a little bit or a time to really just look back and reflect on how far this new batch of talent has come. Plus, it doesn't really help that, you know, it kind of clashes with Dynamite's four-year anniversary a little bit. But you know what? The the ratings war, you, we're, we're wrestling fans at the end of the day. We're not necessarily WWE fans, NXT fans, AEW fans, or hell, even like Impact fans. We're wrestling fans. We watch what I'm we're... I hate you all. That's what we're drawn to. You know, we're just drawn to like entertaining shows and yes we can't watch everything all at once because you know that's just that's how business works that's how charter programming works but we also have you know sky plus we have tivo we have all this recording equipment we have social media to watch highlights on youtube and stuff we can all digest that information but we can just take a preference of what we want to see yeah i um I hate the counter-programming term, and it seems to be, right, so, and he, here's a wee rant for you. Um, and I've, I've actually quite enjoyed uh, a lot of AD, AEW stuff regarding the Ring of Honor tag titles and uh, MGF versus Adam Cole in the main event. I, I've really enjoyed that recently, and I loved, absolutely oh, yeah. loved. And you better fucking better, I've got your tickets for that. <laughs> Shut up. I absolutely <laughs> loved being at Wembley. Um and it was sensational. But here's my thing about this counter-programming argument. And it's always made that WWE are counter-programming. It's never, oh, look, both guys are going head-to-head. Because Newsflash, the most successful period in wrestling history was two promotions going head-to-head every Monday. And it made for some sensational TV. And when you look back at some of the stuff that WCW put out there and some of the stuff uh, WWE put out there, that was weeks where they didn't win ratings. But it's still things that are fondly remembered to this day. Mm-hmm. But my thing here is, NXT was on a Wednesday. NXT was on a Wednesday for ages. NXT was the Wednesday show. AEW comes along, does a Wednesday show, and says, oh, the Wednesday night war, and we're going up against you, and blah, 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 and we're going to take you down. Well, if you're going to go up against WWE, you'd go on a Monday, but, you know, do what you like. yourself. <laughs> At that same time, NXT moved from being network exclusive to moving to the USA network. Yeah, but there was talks of that for ages. So here's, here's, yeah, where, my, here's where my thing is, right? NXT was the cool indie brand and you know people refused to admit that it was actually WWE when really it was WWE. You liked WWE. Admit it, you filthy mark. And then... <laughs> AEW moves in on a Wednesday and AEW incredibly successful fills the void that a lot of wrestling fans wanted a more New Japan orientated style a more a more hardcore wrestling style and AEW eventually while winning the majority of the uh, ratings uh, head to heads USA Network says, listen, we want NXT to move to Tuesday night. So NXT moves to Tuesday nights. So then when AEW gets moved to a Tuesday again, and it's Tony Khan's birthday, and P.S. Tony, I hope your birthday's terrible. 
I don't mean that. Give me free tickets and I apologise. Um, all of a sudden, it's it's all about the title Tuesday. It's title Tuesday. Right, well, NXT's on a Tuesday, mate, and you use lapped up the fact that NXT moved to a Tuesday. So why uh, all of a sudden should NXT go, sorry, lad, it's Tony's birthday. Sorry, tell you what, we'll run a highlight show this week. <laughs> don't, don't worry, don't worry. So NXT announces the first half hours commercial free. Monday, AEW announces the first uh, half hour is commercial free. And also, AEW are now doing a pre-show with Eddie Kingston defending his double championship against Minoru Suzuki. So it's not just WWE that yeah. count of programs. There's, Let's one, ju- uh, there's one for the boys that eats me's west. Yeah, it's not just WWE that counter programs, you know. But let's talk about the very next night, AEW Wrestle Dream coming your way from Seattle, Washington at the Climate Pledge Arena, the tens of six thousand seven hundred and seventy-one. This so past, uh, sorry, past Sunday, Sunday last week, October first. There was Jesus Christ! It's like the lineup a band aid here. <laughs> Fourteen matches on the card. Jesus. I'm going to batter through them, and David, you can pick a match you want to talk about on the main show while I catch my breath at the four, end. Four pre-show matches, by the way. So I hope you've got yeah. a lot of air in those lungs. <sighs> right, an eight-person mixed tag team match as Athena, Billy Starks, Keith Lee, and Kojami take defeated <laughs> Kojima. Kojima. Satoshi Kojima. Thank you. Defeated Shane Taylor promotions of Lee Moriarty, Shane Taylor, Diamante and Mercedes Martinez. Claudio Castagnoli defeats Josh Barnett in a singles match. Luchasaurus defeats Nick Wayne in an absolute squash. Billy Gunn in the acclaim defeated TMDK, the team of Bad Dude Tito, Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste to retain the AEW's World Trios Championship. MJF defeats The Righteous in a two-on-one handicap match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. Eddie Kingston defeats Shibata in a singles match for the Ring of Honor World Championship and Strong Openweight Championship. Chris Statlander retains the AEW TBS Championship against Julia Hart a fatal four way tag team number one contenders match the Young Bucks beating off Lucha Bros whoa steady uh, come on now <laughs> Swerve Strickland defeating Hangman Adam Page in an absolutely belter of a match Ricky Starks defeating Wheeler Uter Brian Danielson defeating Zack Sabre Jr. via pinfall the Don Callis family defeating the Golden Elite and Chris Jericho FTR defeating Aussie Open to retain the AEW World Tag Team Championships and Christian Cage defeating Darby Allen by two falls to one to retain the AEW TNT Championship. <gasps> and breathe. Christ. <laughs> David, uh, we're not yeah. going to talk about the pre-show match because really not a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, Claudio v Josh Barnett was quite good. Other than that, not a lot to talk about. What would you like to talk about? Oh, can we please talk about Danielson and ZSJ? Fire away. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what would you expect, you know, out of arguably two of the best wrestlers in the world from both sides of the Atlantic? Like, I still remember when Brian said on Dynamite a couple of weeks back, you know, he said um, when his daughter turns seven, he wants to think about retiring. And she said she's six now. So... Effectively, what I think he's saying is he's wrestling on, like, his days are numbered, shall we say. And it sounds like Brian just wants to have some of the best matches of his whole career, you know, if, you know, he's going to retire within the next year or so. And you don't get 
a more technical masterclass, you know, from from the UK, outside of maybe Will Ospreay, you know, Zach Sabre Jr., I think, is probably the next best bet that you've got. Like, them going nearly 23 minutes. I think it was the second longest match of the night after the main event. And, I mean, oh, yeah. what, is there, what is there to say? I mean, like, five and a half stars from Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and rightly so. Like, I mean, what more can you say, really? Yeah, it was absolutely sensational. A technical wrestling masterclass. However, Zach Sabre Jr. calls a foul. He says that Brian Danielson won via pinfall, and that is not mm. technical wrestling. Therefore, Zach Sabre Jr. still claims he's the best technical wrestler in the world. I Shut think, up! I think that this is going to lead to a Wrestle Kingdom match. Um, Scott had mentioned before that the... Uh, the New Japan Television title, which Zack Sabre Jr. didn't defend, is uh, held under 15-minute time limits. I wonder if they'll maybe make an exception for Wrestle Kingdom, since it's the biggest show of the year, him versus Brian Danielson. It has been two nights over recent years, possibly at main events, one of the two nights. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought this was a great... I don't know what I can say other than just drooling over it. Um I thought this match was great. Another match I thought that was great, Swerve Strickland against Hangman Adam Page. The promos in this, Swerve Strickland has been absolutely sensational with his promos so far. Swerve Strickland telling Hangman Adam Page, what I think a lot of people have actually said about Hangman Adam Page is that, yeah, you're popular, but a lot of the stuff you've got here is because of who you're friends with. Swerve Mm. Strickland starting to work his way up up the title picture, however, uh, Mogul Productions losing the six-man tag team championships to the Hung Bucks, Hangman Adam Page and the Young Bucks. What do you think that um, Matt and Nick Jackson really care about those titles, not bringing them out on Dynamite? <laughs> um, yeah, and yet, and yet, they're def- and yet they're, they show up the AAA uh, tag team titles and they're defending them against the Lucha Brothers uh, in a TLC match. In one of the first Dynamite shows. Yeah. Way to make those uh, titles look grand, lads. Well done. Uh, Hangman mm-hmm. Adam Page showed up with his. Well done, Adam. Um, Swerve Strickland, a great back and forth with him and Hangman Adam Page. I love the big stomp when Hangman's getting treated on the apron. Swerve just goes, fuck it, and die. <laughs> uh, Swerve's really bounced back after, you know, basically being the reason they he lost the coffin match at Wembley. I know, mate. Looking back at his entrance for, at All In, like it, it, I think it goes to show. I think they've got big plans for Swerve. You know, having him come out, you know, with the the rapper style custom entrance, and I think it's a shame that you know he had to eat the loss a little bit because there is a ton of potential there. You know, he's he had time in NXT. I think he was cruiserweight champion for a short while. Uh, he was North American. No, sorry. He was North American champion. He was never cruiserweight champion. Oh no, sorry, I was thinking of um, Rich Swan for a reason. But yeah, um, yeah, he was North American champion for a bit. I think he got shafted a little bit with Hit Row, but oh, I think he, yeah, I think it's good he's finally finding his feet again. And you know, a win over former AEW champion is certainly uh, going to put him on the right track. It's definitely the most underrated match of the night. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mentioned this because Swerve and Brian are going to go one-on-one on AEW's title Tuesday. The winner 
goes one-on-one with the TNT champion, whoever that may be at that time. But let's talk about the TNT championship match because of what it meant. Uh, Christian Cage defeats Darby Allen 2-1. Nick Wayne turns on Darby Allen, joins Christian Cage's Deed Da Alliance. <laughs> um, while Christian Cage, uh, sorry, while Nick Wayne's mother looks on absolutely horrified in the front row. They go to Concerto Sting and the lights go out. The You see the back of Edge. It's obviously Edge. It's Edge. He drives down a road, rated R, <laughs> that says rated R on it. Uh, our, fe- our feature presentation. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, the You Think You Know Me, which sounded like AI, You Think You Know it was actually Beth that recorded that. Yeah, well, it sounded like Stephen Hawking recorded it. <laughs> you think you know me? Anyway, uh, Metal English plays. Edge has got the agreement with them that he can use that song anywhere he goes. The rated R superstar, which he has trademark over, is in All Elite Wrestling. Adam Copeland, going by his uh, going by his own name for the first time in his wrestling career, makes his way to the ring, takes the title off Christian Cage, fakes he's going to hit them with a concerto, clears the ring with the chair, shakes hands with Darby Allen and Sting to end the show. What were your thoughts on the actual match? I think the match itself has been a bit overshadowed with the fact that, you know, a Hall of Famer debuted at the end of the show. Mm. But, yeah. Um, your thoughts on the match and your thoughts on Edge's debut? Well, you kind of uh, answered, my own qu- answered your own question a little bit. I think the match itself was completely overshadowed by not only the, the uh, debut of rated R Adam Copeland, but also Nick Wayne turning you know, I think that was the last thing I was expecting to see happen. So it was, but yeah, just going to the Edge arrival, Adam Copeland arrival. It was, it felt quite surreal to hear uh, Metalingus play in an AEW arena. You know, it's almost like, uh, like a crossover that it's completely justified. You know, both in and outside of kayfabe a little bit. Because it's just one of those things you think Edge, 25 years of WWE, you'd expect him to be a lifer with that company. And then just a few weeks later, here he is on the rival promotion. It's It was pretty daunting to see that. and But seeing him to in, interact with, you know, the icon Sting and obviously the upstart Darby Allen, it was, it almost felt like a, a bridging of generations a little bit because you have... Obviously, WCW, Sting, biggest name in WCW. You've got Edge, who was obviously the broke out as a singles guy in the Ruthless Aggression era. And then, obviously, you've got the new blood with the with Darby Allen in the new company. So it's yeah. it, it did feel pretty surreal seeing all three of them together. I thought the same, yeah, because obviously Edge retires in 2011. Uh, Sting comes in in 2014 to WWE. He then has to retire in 2016. And then in 2020, when Sting's back wrestling in AEW, in comes, in comes Edge to WWE. And it was just, it, as you said, it was pretty surreal um, that this bridging of generations. Um, and it looks like uh, Adam Copeland going forward, he mentioned that he, uh, this will be, be it one year or two, this will be his last full-time um, 
contract in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, the match with Sheamus in Toronto was all his doing. He was very happy that that was the end of his WWE chapter. However, he thinks that him and WWE have grown apart and that there's more matches here in AEW for him to have. And that's absolutely fine, I think. Yeah. That's, uh, it's the same as the Daniel, sorry, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan response, where mm-hmm. he left WWE because he said, I don't have long left. I want to go do other things. I can always go back to WWE, but I want to do other stuff at the minute. And yeah. He's been able to do it. He's taken on Okada and Zack Sabre Jr. Hopefully Edge gets that same uh, same sort of opportunity. I'm going to mention two matches here that aren't uh, connected on the pay-per-view, but would be connected uh, come this past Saturday on Collision. Swear, uh, sorry, uh, Ricky Starks uh, getting another big win, defeating Wheeler Utah. And the Revival, uh, with their fourth title defence since AEW's uh, all-in, uh, defeating Aussie Open in an absolute amazing match. The finisher with the uh, big rig off the top rope was absolutely sensational. Mm. This, this match, Yeah, the big rig shatter machine, you could literally do it out of nowhere and it would still look just as effective. Absolutely. Um, but this would lead to Ricky Starks and Big Bill taking on FTR uh, this past Saturday on Collision. FTR with the Kinesio tape on, admitting that they're banged up, they're bruised up, but they're going to go one more time. Straight from the bell, uh, Dax Hard, uh, sorry, Wheeler's attack from behind. Uh, they work on Dax Hardwood. They put Wheeler through the table. They hit Hardwood with about five choke slams and then a spear. And in an absolute squash match, out of nowhere, Ricky Starks and Big Bill are your new AEW World Tag Team Champions. Um, Mental. It finally feels like Ricky Starks is starting to get a bit of momentum in AEW. And uh-huh. it's, it's no surprise that that comes around about the time where mm-hmm. it's rumoured that he's going to WWE. Mm-hmm. Maybe you give him a... A little, t- a little cheeky title win there just to sweeten the deal from Tony Khan a little bit. But I, I suppose Ricky Starks has something to fall back on with his AEW career now, you know, because obviously he won the Owen Hart Cup this past year. Uh, and now he actually has a legitimate title under his wing as does Big Bill, which I think I think this is for the first championship I've seen Big Bill hold uh, ever since I first started seeing him in WWE. You know, he teams with Enzo and Cass, they never, as, as Enzo and Cass, they never won any titles at that point. He was off for a good bit dealing with his own personal demons. Comes back to AEW, finally wins a championship, I think for the first time in about eight years, which I think it must, it must feel pretty good for him, you know, having overcome all that, all those personal demons that he was dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. He was great in uh, Impact as W. Morrissey. And then obviously he came into uh, AEW as Big Bill. I wouldn't be against if Ricky Starks goes. I don't know Big Bill's contract situation, but Ricky Starks bringing in Big Bill, mm. you know, you could st- you could rename him Big Cass, you could put him back as Big Cass, but mm. now that he's, you know, dealt with his personal demons, I still think there's money there to be made off of Big Cass. And mm-hmm. in the little and large team, Ricky Starks is a far better wrestler than Enzo Amore ever was. <laughs> My name I, is Ricky Starks, and I'm him, a bona fide G and a bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. And this right here, this is Big Bill, and he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. 
Oh God, I can see them doing that now. Actually, I get that out. You know, this is your fault. Uh, <laughs> you could do the, the whole Enzo uh, shuck and dive. You know, the the foot movement he does, like the the moonwalk a little bit. But I wouldn't be against to get to the original point before you start fantasy booking Enzo and sorry Starkey and Cass. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be against them coming in as a tag team together uh, before eventually seeing Starks break out on his own. Mm. Um, because I think um, you although know, we, you, although we do know what happened the last time Big Cass broke out as a single star. Yeah, but you don't. You can always put him with another guy. You know what I mean? He mm. be made as a heater. Um, yeah, just don't put him in. Just don't put him in the same ring as a little person. That's that's all I'll say. Yeah, Jesus. Um, but yeah, uh, AEW Wrestle Dream in the books. A really good pay per view. I thought um, the only the only criticism I would have of it that too many fucking matches. That's that's the only criticism. Well, that too. I but. Um, the Don Carlos family and the Kenny Omega feud, I just don't care anymore. 22 minutes for a six-person tag team match. I'm sorry, that's far too long on a show with 14 matches. And listen, I, I understand that you know, we're going we're gonna to break you down bit by bit, Kenny Omega, but it's getting to the point where I just don't care anymore. Mm. Um, Keshta, that's, that's six pay-per-view losses for Kenny Omega in a row now. Yeah. I don't see where the end of this is. Um, and I, I, again, I just, I really don't care. Um, Chris Jericho being added in, I really don't care. Um, and then on Dynamite's fourth anniversary, uh, Takeshita and Sammy Guevara beat Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega again. Um, Fuck's sake. This is the sort of thing, if this was the story playing out in WWE, if Kenny Omega went there, everyone would be complaining and he should be going back to New Japan and should be going back to AEW. But now, apparently, it's okay because I, I just I don't get it. I, I think it's crap in 22 minutes for a match. Mm. that, And the fact that it followed and then was followed by Aye. the... the Brian versus Zack Sabre Jr. and the tag title match, it didn't do it any favours. Um, mm. Coming just at a... Coming later on in the card as well, after the likes of Swerve beating Hangman Adam Page, mm. the Fatal 4-Way for the number one contenders ship, and so much more. There was so much good stuff on this mm. card that this stuck out like a sore thumb. And yeah. it's, um, Did, um, I don't know if you remember, but do you remember A.W. Wembley for the, the Golden Elite versus... The, the Don Callis family six-man tag, it was... Um, did Do you recall Takeshita getting any reaction whatsoever? No, absolutely not. I was stone silence a little bit, because nobody really knew who he was. I'm just, um, just a wee side note here. <laughs> um, I'm about... I'm just Googling in the background getting the Fastlane card ready before we move on to the Fastlane review. I'm um, way ahead of you on that one. The last fast lane in 2021, Daniel Bryan was in the main event and Edge was a special guest enforcer. They're now both in AEW. Um, Damn. They got, in fact, and the last fast lane before that, the main event, John Moxley is part of the Shield, now in AEW. Um, now in AEW. And Daniel Bryan, now in AEW. So, yeah. <laughs> Wonder when Shinsuke Nakamura is going to AEW, but we'll talk about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe Fastlane's a, a pay per view that just takes place every two years now. 
maybe just a wee 2019, 2019, 2021, 2023. So um, before we move on to that, uh, we put ourselves out on the line for NXT Saudi Mania. Um, <laughs> title Tuesday slash Tony Khan's birthday. I swear to God, if there's if you if he books himself to get a birthday cake. A, a just it's just the most marky of marky things but <laughs> uh, you've got Adam Copeland versus Luchasaurus you've got Christian Cage explaining his actions towards Adam Copeland you've got another one contenders match with Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland for the TNT Championship uh, the two t- title matches on the main show the Women's Championship Saria against Hikaru Shida the International Championship uh, Ray Phoenix versus John Moxley Jay White against Hangman Adam Page Chris Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs MGF will appear Timeless Tony Storm is ready for her close-up and the New Japan uh, Strong Openweight Championship and Ring of Honor World title will be defended as Eddie Kingston takes on Minoru Suzuki on the buy-in um, hmm. What are your thoughts now that Edge is in AEW with the, you know, the, the segment uh, of Christian telling him to go fuck himself? Um, Luchasaurus is a first opponent, and who would you like to see him go up against? I'm more curious as to why they're dedicating a whole segment to Christian Cage explaining why he told Edge to go fuck himself. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's bigger than belief at this point, but... Um, yeah, definitely thinking of all the fantasy matches I could see Edge doing AEW now. I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to call him Edge from now on, just because it's been oh, drilled. In, it's, it's been drilled into our brains for 25 years now. Um, I am just starting to stop calling John Moxley Dean Ambrose. If I uh, away. I, well, I'm not going to call it. Well, at least I'm not calling him Sexton Hardcastle. <laughs> that's, that's something. Um, but yeah, Luchasaurus, I think is probably a safe bet for his first opponent. You know, I think. Uh, Luchasaurus definitely been one of the more consistent workers. No, not really an unsafe worker, shall we say, but definitely it poses a bit of a challenge. Uh, I mean, at least in terms of size, you know, with, you know, because Edge is considered like normal for his build and height against like someone who's much bigger in the form of Luchasaurus. But I think I, I would like to see an Edge Christian match somewhere down the line, you know, just because. Just because his daughter basically said, "Just go have fun with Uncle Jay," you know. I mean, let's let's see those two have a match just to because the the history is there, the chemistry is there, there is potential for it. But if I was to be a if I was to be a betting man, I would like to see um, a promo battle between Edge and MJF. Maybe you could get an AEW title match out, out of it at some point. That would be interesting. Um, some things with um, what do you call it? No, no, no. What do you call it? Oh, sorry. I'm just reading the um, Velveteen Dream rumored to have been at the Performance Center. Yeah. Oh, um, I don't know how I feel about that. So, I mean, I just hope his reputation hasn't been completely tarnished from the you know, the allegations, shall we say. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just looking for, it was David Campbell that said something um, along the lines of Edge, and he was talking about kind of like, there's there. He said, I love Edge, but it'd be interesting to see if the tide turns on him, if he wins most of the feud season over at AEW the same way he did in his WWE run recently. He did 
it was once he was out the way that the judgment day really did hit their stride um, and have been allowed to kind of have this run. Um, he beat Seth Rollins in a feud, he beats Randy Orton in a feud, um, involved in multiple world championship matches, winning a Royal Rumble. I think if that was anyone else, you know, we saw the reaction when Brock Lesnar won the Rumble as a part-timer. Mm-hmm. Um I agree with him there. It would be interesting to see. But um, Dave Meltzer said something about um, about Edge, and it led to an interesting conversation where people were talking about um, the the lack of the lack of attendances at certain AEW shows because they are having trouble after selling so well in the UK. They are having trouble in the saturated market that is North America. Um, it said, Dave Meltzer believes that AEW are cold. They are cold. Boy, are they cold. And how did they change that? Man, that's hard to do. Edge there at Collision last night, and it didn't move a lot of tickets. Um, Edge is a good performer, and he's a good talker and everything like that. But it's not punk as far as Game Changer. And um, mm. there was a guy from Wrestling Purist called Abu, um, who, who put a very good point out there. He said, regarding this, I don't think AEW loses anything if they downsize and run intimate, quirky venues for the time being. I'd much rather them being cool and distinct locations than sold out at that house is 3,000 people than shows in a basketball venue with 70% of the place tarped off. This week's collision felt noticeably desolate. Dynamite in 2019 to 2020 felt like a cool, exciting and happening show and they weren't running big buildings. Go WCW slash AEW early 2020 with it. Uh, I agree with or, that. Or just, just do full sale NXT style a little bit. I mean, that's what gained its cult audience a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, housing yourself. I think, see, trying to sell Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor, Collision, Dynamite, and um, Rampage, it's too much for a TV tape, and especially with the amount of stuff that Tony Khan puts out there. Mm. I think with uh, Ring of Honor, you definitely should be doing smaller buildings, and I think you do four weeks worth of TV tapings. Um, I think mm. I think they are already doing that. Actually, that's but, why NXT did so well in its full sale days. You know, they did yeah. big blocks of tapings, and you know, they released one hour segments, and it still told the story perfectly. It, yeah, kind, of like when it, kind of like when it, NXT UK did. They did two nights in the same city, and they did about three hours worth of taping each night. And that equated to about six shows on yep. um, on the network. Yep, no, absolutely. But that does include that he would need to keep Ring of Honor pretty separate, you know, mm. to not give away the stuff. And you just maybe do one, you do a taping where you take two episodes of Dynamite, two episodes of Rampage and two episodes of Collision. And, you know, it, it means that there's less empty seats and it also means you can do house shows as well. It means you can go elsewhere yeah. on the weeks that you don't have a TV tape and go to a house show and you can film those matches at the same time and just put them on on weeks where there's maybe, you know, like Christmas and stuff like that, you know, if you don't have a pre-tape. But mm-hmm. I I do think that should be the case going forward. Um, AEW title Tuesday, Copeland Luchasaurus, as we mentioned, I've mentioned all this. Um, anything in particular you're looking forward to seeing? I think it's a safe bet that John Moxley wins back the title. Mm-hmm. He lost it due to injury. Yeah, I'd be keen to see how Edge does in his first AEW match as well, see how he uh, copes against this fresh batch of talent. But that's 
all that's really piquing my interest in AEW at this point. Yeah. Um, well, Jay White's piquing my interest. Him in Collision, challenging mm. um, MJF to at full um, gear. At full gear. It'd be interesting to see what MJF says. Jay White's still walking about with the title, so it'll be interesting to see. But let's move on to WWE Fastlane. Um, only five matches on this card. Um, I and, thought, and that's how I like it. I thought four were really good and I thought one was absolutely horrendous I'll touch on that in a minute hmm. I'm going to run through everything here um, Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso defeat the Judgment Day to become the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions Carlito joins the Latino World Order of Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar to defeat the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley in a six-man tag Ten minutes, that's how much long a tag team match of six-man should get <laughs> Eos Guy defeats Asuka and Charlotte Flair to retain her WWE Women's Championship John Cena and Ellie Knight defeat the bloodline of Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa in a yeah. tag team match. And in the last man standing main event, Seth Rollins defends his World Heavyweight Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. Let's, um, a smaller card, so let's just go through it bit by bit. Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso defeating the Judgment Day. Um, they had a tag title defense as well against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens last night. Um, they're going to take on the Judgment Day in a rematch at the Raw season pre- premiere next Monday. What are your thoughts on Cody and Jey Uso as tag team <laughs> champions? <laughs> oh my gosh. Judgment Day losing the tag titles. And what do you think this means for the Judgment Day going forward? Oh, I mean, the literally the most random tag team you could have come up with is, is the tag champions. But that being said, you know, obviously they've they've done the randomizer on WWE Universe mode in 2K2023, but I mean, after seeing the press conference, the press scrum, <laughs> I'm all for this team now. Like, all you have to do is just inject a little whiskey into them and it really brings out their likable, like, their really funny comedic side a little bit. Um I mean, even the most mixed match of tag team on paper can actually have some really good chemistry. That's what I've learned about this. It's just even madder that, you know, one of them's won eight tag titles with their twin brother and now it's just like a like a completely fresh partnership with the the American flag, shall we say. But um, definitely was a slow burner, this match. It didn't really get good until uh, the rest of Judgment Day and JD McDonough came out and that's when it was just all out carnage. Like, definitely a couple of near falls, I thought. You know, Jay taking the briefcase to the face, thought, right, that's it. You know, screwy finish. But no, still going. And I'm starting to think, wait, could they do it? Could they do it? And then this this Cody 1D tag team finisher, you know, it's a nice little twist to the 1D. One, two, three, boom. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. They've actually done it. But I think this certainly sows the seeds for... Uh, a little bit more dissension in the Judgment Day. Maybe Priest is starting to break out on his own a little bit more. You know, he's starting to get a bit more unhinged rather than taking a more methodical approach of regaining the tag titles. But he is Mr. Money in the Bank. He should probably start to feel like a standalone performer if he is going to win the World Heavyweight title at some point. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really enjoyed the storyline. I enjoyed how, obviously, J.D. McDonough has been doing his best to integrate himself into the Judgment Day. Damien Priest has been like, look, I don't like you. I don't care if you're Finn Balor's friend. I don't want you here. Um, J.D. doing everything, even the custom Money in the Bank briefcase, 
Um, That's a pretty cool briefcase, by the way. That he'd given, and ironically, that it was that that cost them the title. Uh, JD <laughs> McDonough goes to hit. Was it Cody? He goes to hit. Uh, yeah, he hits Cody. He goes to hit Cody with the, uh, the briefcase. Cody moves and he hits Damien Priest who's standing on top of the announce table uh, right in the ankle, takes him out. Uh, Jey Uso beats down uh, Finn Balor. Cody Rhodes gets the crossroads. One, two, three. And new tag team champions. And the interesting thing here, I think, there is plenty of avenues you could go down. You could go down that... JD McDonough and Finn Balor team up to become the tag champions and that's how JD gets in the mm-hmm. Judgment Day while Priest goes on to cash in the uh, the money in the bank. You could have dissension in the ranks with Balor and Priest hating each other because they lose next week. They could just win the titles back. I did predict that on Saturday Draft Live this week. I thought I thought they were going to do a, current, uh, a Trick Williams, have him win the title on the Saturday and then lose it on the weekly TV show. It looks like that might happen next week. Or or Jimmy Uso left the bloodline. He isn't uh-huh. part of the bloodline. He's been throwing his weight about. The tribal chief Roman Reigns is back this Friday on SmackDown. Could this lead to Roman telling Jimmy, if you want back in the bloodline, you and Solo need to win back the tag titles. You need to Ooh. take out Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes. And does that start the ending of the finishing of the story that has been going on <laughs> since Cody Rhodes return? Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns does look like it's going to happen eventually. Um, does this speed it up to Survivor Series or does this start the slow build from Survivor Series to, sorry, from Crown Jewel possibly, all the way to WrestleMania? Um, interesting possibilities throughout here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I'm actually with you on the, the Jimmy Solo situation because, I mean, I mean, call me being pedantic a little bit, but it doesn't You're feel pedantic. right to. I know, I know. Okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> it doesn't feel right having Jay with more tag titles than his own twin brother. Like it. My uh, my OC, my OCD wants both of them to have the same amount of tag titles, but each have one reign with a different partner and. Jimmy and Solo, I think, makes the most sense if you're going to continue with finishing the story with Cody and Roman. Because remember, undisputed tag champions, they can defend them on SmackDown as well. I think the Judgment Day train should revert back to the dissension in the ranks. Priest starts to break off on his own a little bit. Maybe cash in eventually, have a a reign with the world title at some point, because he has earned it. You know, the guy's been an absolute workhorse the last couple of years yeah I think they need Cody and Jay I think need to keep going all the way to Survivor Series I think and then maybe or maybe drop it to Jimmy and Solo prior to Survivor Series and then they could have a War Games match with uh, Zayn and Owens maybe Um, even if they did if they don't do War Games this year even if they did the brand split, you don't need a champion be champion because there is only one title. Yeah, just do classic uh, Survivor Series matches, yeah. Yeah, you could do that or you could have the Raw champions going up against the SmackDown challengers, um, mm-hmm. which could be interesting. And obviously Roman likes to show up whenever he likes. Um, 
he could use the fact that he's with the tag champions to show up on Raw whenever he likes to taunt Cody um, and Cody can't come over to SmackDown um, or mm. something Scott um, pitched to me someone has still got to SmackDown is it Cody Rhodes going to SmackDown is that how he gets back into the world title picture Jimmy oh, goes, yeah. Jay goes to Raw Cody goes to SmackDown yeah, that's you actually reminded me. Um, I forgot to contribute what Cody Rhodes' big announcement on NXT was going to be. Um, uh, we shared some ideas in the group chat, and there have been rumours on Twitter, etc. I think, based on instinct, like just gut feeling alone, it sounds like he might be reannouncing the Dusty Cup. Yeah, I think that is a, it's a pretty safe bet, that one. Um I did say to you guys, I would like a Champions League style format where we have maybe a SmackDown group, a Raw group, and an NXT mm. group. And the winners get a shot at the Undisputed tag titles. Because they can go Iran SmackDown. Mm-hmm. They're coming down to NXT. Maybe it's now you can go to any brand with those titles. Yeah. Um, it's like the Brawling Brutes. You know, they're teaming with Tyler Bate against Gallus uh, on NXT tonight. Yep, another another thing that's been lost in the cracks, considering how <laughs> stacked this show is. But it would be absolutely great. Um, that'll be absolutely great. That six like, person. It's like a British strong style two point a little bit. Well, let's go from one uh, six man tag to another. Let's talk Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits going up against Rey Mysterio, uh, Santos Escobar, and the returning Carlito Caribbean Cool. Um, <laughs> I feel sorry for the other two guys in the LWI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Wacky yeah. yeah, they got shafted, yeah. Do you like Bad Bunny? Do I like me? Yeah. Do you <laughs> like a big WrestleMania moment? Yeah. Do you want to perform in Puerto Rico? Yeah. 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 Right, well, what we need you to do is see the people that are going to do that. We need you just to stand kind of next to them. Can, um, <laughs> can, can we wrestle? Absolutely not. You will not be wrestling <laughs> unless we need someone to take the pin. Yeah. Right. Okay. Maybe this will be our big chance. One is we'll get to wrestle. Oh no. Oh no. We've been beaten up in SmackDown, and Rey Mysterio has to make a phone call. Um. And you, Joaquin, yeah, you're going to take a hell of a bump on the outside when you get chucked at least 10 feet in the air and then you get German suplexed on the way down and you very much near break your neck. Yeah, have fun with that, lads. Well done. Um, but don't worry, you, you can wear that cool t-shirt. Do we get royalties? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Carlito uh, returning for the first time since his... He's, he's flirted with WWE over the past few years, hasn't he? He's Royal Rumble appearance in 2020. What? He had... Um, the match the next night on Raw, uh, we thought it was going to be an MVP-style return. Um, he then shows up at Puerto Rico because um, he wasn't doing anything and it was in the area, why not? <laughs> and then he shows up last night. He's rumoured to have been signed for a while now and just WWE haven't known what to do with him. We've seen that with like Eric Young where and David Hart Smith where people are re-signed. Uh. I, I think we all feared that that was going to be the case. Uh. But yeah, it's nice that Carlito's back. Um, uh, it's a fucking no-brainer. Like, put him in the LWO, just expand that faction a little bit. You know, if you're not going to do anything with Joaquin and Cruz, you know, at least do something with Carlito. I'm just picturing uh, that scene in Longest Yard. Um, 
What? With the wee guy going, I will never get to play. That's, um, that's the other guy in the LWO. No, I'll never get to play. Oh, right, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Curly go back. Interesting to hear where Bobby and the Street Profits go from here. There was a bit of a, you know, actions, not words uh, thing put down by Bobby Lashley. I, I just think it's weird that Bobby's mm. not been involved in a feud with Roman Reigns yet. I don't know if they're protecting him, but Bobby and Roman during this uh, this era of Roman Reigns' title, Bobby at one point was just undefeatable. And he does oh, bring yeah. a, a level of um, legitimacy. Mindy's 47 years old, and he first arrived in WWE in 2005 during the Ruthless Aggression era, and he came in like a steam train, you know, demolished Simon Dean, demolished uh, Finlay, demolished JBL. You know, he had a good showing at that year's Survivor Series in the Raw vs. SmackDown, which was a big run for him as well, considering he was the new guy. But one botched shoulder surgery, and yeah, you know, it was just a shame that he left that soon, but I'm just glad he came back. Yeah, but I think him not having a, a pop at Roman Reigns in this era, especially he did call out Roman um, when he was US champion. Uh, and the last time they thought they fought on a pay-per-view, I should say, um, Bobby 2018. Lashley. Yeah, yep. 2018 Bobby Extreme Rules. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where this grows from, goes from here, I should say. Eos Sky defeating Asuka and Charlotte Flair in a pretty good triple threat match. Um, Eos Sky obviously going into it at a bit of tension with Bailey. Bailey um, putting her in this match because uh, she misunderstood Asuka. Eo telling her, I don't need you to talk for me. She came to the ring herself, but Bailey eventually comes out to help her get the win. Um, I really enjoyed this, especially Asuka straight from the word go, misting <laughs> Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, it was nothing to howl about, but it was a decent match. You know, you could just watch in the background and you, you could, uh, it, it was it was very solid. That's what I'll say. Nothing really screamed out at me, but obviously the, the mist at the start was probably a, uh, a good way to sort of, she basically, um, she Shawn Michaels Triple H um, at 2009 Survivor Series. That's what that moment reminded me of a bit. You know, Charlotte gets taken out the first few minutes, but then comes back raging and oh, the crowd were not having it, by the way. They really didn't want to see a, a Charlotte title win. Yeah, they were very anti-Charlotte in that crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting to see where EO goes from here. I think eventually... Um, it is going to be EO versus Bailey at um, WrestleMania, I imagine, or mm-hmm. something down the line. But it'd be interesting to see where she goes from here. I hope it's not another match with Asuka, because I think Asuka can't really afford another defeat right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas Charlotte Flair, 14 time champion, you know she's always going to bounce back. She's she invincible, yeah. Uh, EO versus her at one point would be good or maybe we just head to Survivor Series mm. and see EO versus Rhea Ripley would be interesting to see How um, about, uh, let's not take away you know, we also saw a certain Miss Cargill arrive during the pre-show as well We did, yes, very interesting to see um, They are just going to start sprinkling her in everywhere, aren't they? We, we mentioned oh, sure, yeah. the soft launch considering how, considering how much she's been hyped you know, with her yeah. signing, her arrival, her 
beefing up on social media. It's not like you know this is. It's not like this is going to be a surprise debut. Like this is, this is getting. This is like Sin Cara levels of hype a little bit. Yeah, I wonder if maybe on the season premiere, maybe sitting in a a box at Saudi, and possibly in the crowd at the next NXT takeover is where we will next see Miss Cargill just bit by bit by bit. And then leading to maybe a WrestleMania debut or maybe a Royal Rumble debut. Mm. Uh, but that seems a bit far away, if I'm being honest. I think they need to, well, at least give her some build-up time. But don't wait to don't wait that long to make her debut. I think if you announce that she's going to be in the Rumble, she that she has outside WWE clout. She is. Um, followed by millions on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and what have you. She is someone who brings in casual viewers, and it's why mm-hmm. she was brought into AEW. My AEW tried so hard to keep her, but she is now in WWE. Um, can you imagine but, if she? Can you imagine if she actually wins the Royal Rumble on her debut? It'd be a mental, mental. Yeah, moment. you know what? I'm not ruling that out. No, I I given, how much hype, given how much hype she's got around her. It's certainly possible. Well, we'll preview the Royal Rumble in January, but seeing as we're going <laughs> to get back to Fastlane, let's talk about John Cena and LA Knight defeating the Bloodline. Yeah. And a tag team match, sorry, that lasted 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Which was, about I, 15, which, was, which was about 15 minutes too long. Yeah, I slated the AEW time. I'm slating this, although this... I won't slate as much because I'm a big WWE mark, no, <laughs> because um, this was on a five-match card and not on a full-team-match card. Um, I'm going to be honest, David, I fell asleep during this match. Um, Scott woke me back up for the main event. Um, I watched the highlights the next day. Uh, very house show feel about it. LA Knight continuing to build his stock. However... And obviously the bloodline taking a loss, Jimmy taking the pin, will be interesting for Roman's return. But let's talk about John Cena. And let's talk about this return, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I hate, and this is something uh, AEW's done very well, attaching Sting to Darby Allen. Um, but WWE tends to do this where they hitch a wagon to a rising star that doesn't need it. And that kind of feels what John Cena's like during this LA Night thing, you know. Cena was a special guest referee at um, Payback. Cena showing up as, uh, sorry, LA Knight coming to Cena's aid, and now he's his tag partner. John Cena's been back in WWE for about six, seven weeks now, and he's not done anything. Mm. It's just been dull, it's been it's- boring. It's star power gone wild a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's, it's you, you, you say you say John Cena is going to be on this show. People will flock to to see it happen. Like it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like saying, "Oh, The Rock's going to be there." Like people will pay money to see him, regardless of what he does. Yeah, but you look at that Rock segment, and he did more with fucking Austin Theory in that segment than John Cena did in a WrestleMania build-up match, a uh, build to a WrestleMania match. This past year, John Cena, since he's came back, it's just, I I really do think we should have had a match with Grayson Waller by now. I think there should have, this shouldn't have been his first match back, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, I 
I know it's star power. I know he's brought in. I know the guild, uh, the actual strike and the the writer strike and all that's going on, or it's just ended, or what have you. Mm-hmm. But John Cena, this return has been a dud. I've not enjoyed it. There's not been one likable thing about it, and I'm holding out hope that there's a Cena solo Sokoa match or a Cena Roman match. Uh-huh. You know, I would have accepted an LA Knight solo Sokoa match in this slot. Have Cena in LA's corner, have Jimmy in Solo's corner. There can be outside shenanigans, maybe Cena A's Jimmy through the announce table or something. You still get the crowd popping for these moments. Cena gets somewhat physical, and all the focus is on LA Knight defeating the street champ, you know, a very credible opponent. Yeah, I, I would maybe have had the match that was on SmackDown on Fast what, against, what, against LA- Jimmy? Against Jimmy. Early night beats Jimmy because Jimmy's trying to get him back in the good graces. Solo Sokoa remains protected. John Cena gets somewhat physical. Um, and you still lead into the You Failed Me, which is going to be the storyline this coming Friday with uh, Roman. Um, and Roman is going to put something out to Jimmy. That's what I think anyway. But not being a fan of this John Cena return, on a, on a show with five matches, I thought four were good. I thought one was crap. And I thought it was this one, I'm going to be honest. But let's talk about the main event. Let's talk Shinsuke Nakamura going up against Seth freaking Rollins or Seth Rollins' World Heavyweight Championship match. Last man standing, nearly half an hour. Absolutely brutal match. But at the end, a falcon arrow off the bleachers through the tables. Um, Seth gets back to his feet. Shinsuke falls at the last moment. I thought this was a great match, but I was a bit upset Shinsuke didn't win, considering I've written mm. through it. Um, a little bit, yeah, because how is it? I've lost count of how many times Shinsuke's had a world title match and he's not won it. You know, he's sort of become like the Braun Strowman a little bit. You know, he gets put in the world title match because he's main event material, but they don't pull the trigger on him until much, much later. But I think that train has come and gone twice for Nakamura in the space of five years. And it's just difficult to see where he goes from here. I mean, they've, they've got, he's got a false count anywhere match against Ricochet coming up on Raw, but, you know, it's it's hardly a consolation prize for being within an, literally a referee's 10 count from winning the world title. And losing to, I mean, not to downplay the Falcon Arrow off the bleachers a little bit, but as soon as they brought the ladder out and they placed it next to the announce table, I honest to God, thought that Rollins was going to do a, a king-size stomp through the announce table. It would break, and then that's what would give him the, the win. Like, that would be an emphatic win after so much pain that his back went through and stuff. I personally thought Nakamura was going to win after the mist and the push through the table. Mm. I thought that would be a great way to win. And just the way he was posing on the ladder, I thought, this is oh my God, this is it. This is mm-hmm. it. Yeah, like and you, the the red mist was quite effective because it looked like, you know, if you'd just seen a, a still from that image, you know, much later in the match, you'd have thought Rollins got busted open badly. So I think it was a nice play to, you know, sort of give him the bloodied face image a bit, like he'd been through a war. But in fact, you know, they could keep it, they, they didn't have to like run down and patch him up or anything because it wasn't blood, it was just mist. Yeah, um, the match itself I thought was pretty great. Seth Rollins, uh, the two matches with Balor, uh, the match with Priest, the match with AJ Styles, and now the two matches with Nakamura under his belt in this World Heavyweight Championship run. Um, 
we touched a little bit on the bloodline. I'm going to touch on them more now that we have a we have a winner and we've talked about the main event. Um, next up for Seth Rollins is Drew McIntyre at Crown Jewel. Yes, uh, Drew McIntyre at Crown Jewel. Drew McIntyre um, came out. Seth Rollins said, "You're not here to party, are you? You're here to." You're here to challenge me to a fight. He goes, I want Seth Rollins at his best. Bear in mind, he has beaten Seth Rollins at his best in a world title match before. Um, 2020, money in the bank. Yep. Um, and he's told Seth Rollins, I want you 100% fit. Uh, Damien Priest attacks him from behind. He calls on Dominic Mysterio to bring the briefcase down. Drew doesn't help him. Drew then takes the, t- uh, the briefcase and throws it absolutely launches it off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, kind of like what Brock Lesnar did to Braun Strowman's case at SummerSlam 2018. <laughs> he, just, um, he just absolutely flings it up the ramp. Shinsuke, um, sorry, um, Seth says to Drew, what's your problem? And Drew says, I've made it clear that if it's not my business, I'm not getting involved. However, I can't let the Judgment Day run riot like the Bloodline did. Um... <laughs> So, and then later on in the night, we see Drew McIntyre talking to Rhea Ripley over Adam Pearce's shoulder. A wee interesting uh, mm. bit there. Maybe, maybe. Um, Ooh, is, is, maybe. Drew gonna, is Drew going to venture into the cat house? Maybe, maybe. Maybe it's uh, an agreement of, listen, if you don't win, take out Rollins so Priest can win. But if you win, mm. Priest will cash in on you. An uneasy alliance. We've seen that a lot recently. The yeah. And Drew's been, Drew's been teasing a bit of a heel turn, you know, ever since the whole Mick Riddle thing fell apart. Um, but yeah, I think Drew's been due a heel turn since SummerSlam, I reckon. And it makes sense for him to do that. You know, maybe they held it off because he had some, like, uh, outside of WWE commitments and stuff, uh, mostly kid-friendly stuff as well. But... Yeah, I could see a, a Drew heel turn happening. Be Claymore's Rollins in the back. That absolutely scuppers him. And then that's the perfect chance for Priest to cash in. And then that way, you know, at least they can the Saudi government gets a title change on one of their shows. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'd, I'd love to see Drew win the title again. He's, he's kind of been treading water in this whole Roman Reigns era. He would look um, amazing with the big gold belt. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, let's talk about some of the, the other news stories that are coming out this past week or so. Um, just getting some of the stories up here. We mentioned uh, Dragon Lee. Um, a boo of wrestling, pursu- uh, wrestling pursuits that a purist, sorry, that I mentioned earlier, said the WWE source has told Nick Hosman of House of Wrestling that is a safe bet CM Punk will appear at Survivor Series in Chicago. Mm. Uh, several AEW contracts will be up at the end of the year and WWE are looking to sign all of the key ones. WWE creative for Jade Cargill has been deemed important as she's not going to be the last person to jump ship, apparently. Mm. Um just can I more. um can I throw a weird fantasy booking idea that I had before we came on came on air? Two minutes before I throw in, sure. I'll throw in something else here. Uh, Sports Kira has been uh, mentioning some of the Corey Graves uh, cryptic messages, as they're calling it. 
Um, CM Punk saying the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist in 2005 uh, when he won the Ring of Honor world title and signed his WWE contract on it. Corey Graves the other night saying the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making the world forget that he existed. Um, and Nakamura hits Ricochet with the go to sleep to take him out before his match on Raw. Yep, there you go. Um, what else here? Um, All signs point to Punk here. All signs point to Punk. Punk's Instagram story, he put a photo up. Uh, it was uh, Doctor Doom and Iron Man, and Iron yes. Man Doctor Doom. So from that moment, our truce will extend for 24 hours, during which neither of us will launch any aggression against the other, either personally or indirectly agreed. Uh, Doctor Doom, the terms are acceptable, if not satisfactory. Let us proceed. Um, Kyrie Sane has finished yes. the final stardom match. Uh, she's finished all her dates with Japan ahead of a WWE return and going on uh, the recent uh, Endeavor um, merger with uh, WWE and <coughs> UFC. Mike Johnson mentioned in his PW Insider Elite Audio show that word is Triple H has been making has been knighted by Endeavor and now makes 99.9% of all creative decisions. Vince McMahon has very little to no influence on the product and this might be by design. Uh, if you, he mentions if you've been watching the product, you can see that it's most likely the case without needing more of a report. Most of Triple H's rehires are getting more screen time, including Johnny Gargano, recently reunited with Tommaso Ciampa. DIY, uh, DIY, DIY, DIY. <laughs> Endeavour is likely well aware of Vince McMahon's past controversies and probably advised him to maintain a hands-off approach to the on-screen product. Um, so yeah, a lot going on on the news side, David. Yeah, Spanish booking now. Please fire yes. away. If they decide to go with the war games angle, yes. or even just the traditional five on five match at Survivor Series in some capacity, I reckon you have Cody Rhodes, Jay Uso, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn on one side, and then you have Jimmy Solo and the Judgment Day on the other, maybe Roman. So maybe Roman, Jimmy, Solo, and maybe Balor and Dominic if Priest decides to go solo. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, Team Cody needs a, f- a fifth member. And they don't reveal themselves until Survivor Series in Chicago, who's turn it to be CM Punk. I mean, I, think- it, I get it. It's like, you know, there'll be CM Punk chants throughout you know, the whole night and stuff. So the surprise factor won't be there, but maybe they could announce it on the, the go home raw because everybody knows the surprise and there's no point trying to build up, build up for something that people already knew what was going to happen. Maybe that, that does sound good. Um, good point about Kyrie Sane, actually. I, I, I completely forgot, you know, her, her dates with Japan were all done and dusted and she had said she was going to make a return to WWE as well. But I think she kind of got lost in the shuffle after all this, all this Jade Cargill hype that's been going on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that could be an interesting Royal Rumble return in the background. I've just seen, oh my God, what a loser. Tony Khan, <laughs> you know, it was House of Wrestling that tweeted... Um, Triple H and Shawn Michaels looked to send Tony Khan a message, brackets exclusive. Um, Tony Khan said, I have a message for them and put up a tweet. So he put, the tweet says, see you tonight at special Tuesday night Dynamite, title fight Tuesday. 
uh, at least the first 30 minutes are commercial free and a big overrun and then put a, a photo up that said bald asshole Oi! That was my door, you prick <laughs> I, I don't think he meant it for Hockney's Hoagie House I think he meant it for <laughs> um, but I, I think they got the addresses mixed up But yeah um, what an absolute fucking loser <laughs> Oh, it's funny, but at the same time, it's tragic. It's so childish, yeah. Oh, I hope your birthday's terrible, mate. Um, <laughs> let's talk about um, Mike Johnson's article in PW Insider. Um, Triple H basically basically running everything now. Um, are, we, are we surprised here? Because uh, I'm, I'm a wee bit surprised considering... Um, Vince McMahon, you know, basically orchestrated this merger, but at the same time, hmm. it looks like they've got him to do the merger and now we're kind of phasing him out, um, sort of succession style. Hmm. Um, because no, it was probably the right, right approach uh, taken by Endeavor and WWE's perspective, because, you know, Vince was the one that built WWE from the ground up. He has the business acumen to handle a takeover, Essentially, you know, he did it with WCW at the end of the Monday Night Wars. He's doing the same here with Endeavor. You know, negotiating terms. Obviously, Endeavor's the one buying them out this time. But and then they're like, but they're also saying like, listen, you've been a bit creepy outside the ring. You've been doing some dodgy stuff of allegations of if allegations or reports are believed to be true. It's they definitely don't want to tarnish a company image after they've just completed a merger because their share price will be skyrocketing at the minute. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, PW Insider's reporting that uh, Lexus King is the new name for Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, it's apparently a tribute to his half-sister, Alexis King, uh, who passed away uh, a few years ago in a car accident. Mm. I think, um, I think was King not his, his mother's maiden name as well? Uh King is his mother's surname after she remarried following Brian. Right. That was it, yeah. But yeah, that's that's nice. I I think that's nice. Yeah, that is a nice tribute. It's kind of like, uh, oh, I'm going to be, I'm sounding such like a Marvel geek here, but it's kind of like uh, the Scarlet Spider, which was uh, one of the spinoff characters in the Spider-Man comics. It was a Peter Parker clone who renamed himself to Ben Riley after Uncle Ben and... Aunt May's maiden name. That's quite cool. <coughs> um, uh, well, this has been a massive, massive, massive episode of Central. Three pay-per-view reviews, mm-hmm. uh, a review of the title picture going forward, a preview of Title Tuesday and NXT's biggest show in years. Um, we'll be back next week um, with... A look towards Crown Jewel, a look towards Impact Wrestling Bound for Glory, um, a look to uh, sorry, a review of Title Tuesday and NXT, and trust me, there will be some boring ratings talk that we'll try batter our way through. <laughs> um, reviewing the SmackDown season premiere, and if it's recorded on Tuesday, reviewing the Raw season premiere, a lot of stuff coming up in the next week. Um are you looking forward to Raw season premiere, by the way? Um, Big Bronson Reed going up against Gunther. Oh, yeah. I mean, where's Big E when you need him right now? Big meaty man slapping me. 
Uh, well, speaking of big, we need a big question for this week. Um, what I don't know. What should we have? Well, we've got a we've got a feature show coming out this Friday, so um, we've got oh, a conversation. Sorry, on you go. Continue. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. So I was going to say, we have a feature show coming out this Friday, and it's about the career profile of Bray Wyatt, the, the late, great Wyndham Rotunda, you know, who sadly passed away um, at the end of August. But this episode, because it's Friday, because it's coming out Friday the 13th, you know, we thought it's one of the spookiest days of the year after Halloween. And we thought, what's been, I think the big question for this week should be, what do you think is the spookiest moment or characters that you've seen in wrestling? Yeah, so that is obviously our feature show coming out this Friday the 13th. Uh, the EFR team want to know what you think the spookiest moment in wrestling is. There's five responses so far, people thinking, uh, buckle up, Teddy. Uh, <laughs> man freaked people out. Undertaker was always amazing. Uh, seeing Cody lose at Mania was pretty scary. Oh, fuck, Shane McMahon falling from the tower and so much more. So let us know uh, ahead of our feature show and we'll read it out next week. You can catch the feature show released Friday the 13th of October and you can listen to more of our back catalogue, previews, reviews, interviews and all the news, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Find us on all good Android podcasting sites, Spotify and iTunes. And it's at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You name it, we're on it. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network.